So the transparency and immutability of the blockchain is what makes it a great candidate for the supply chain industry to ensure the authenticity of your products, to ensure where your products are coming from, to ensure that the actors within the supply chain network are acting ethically. Hey guys, it's Trish from Mugtas. Don't miss great tech stories from our guests and our hosts, Jackie Nimink and Wato Delbare. Only here at Mugtas Nation. Welcome to Mangtas Nation Season 2. This season is all about tech of the future. We'll be sharing real-world experiences and featuring astounding guests to help guide you in your tech journey. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Hello, everyone. Here's to another day of bringing about learning and inspiration through tech stories from today's star of the show. Are you ready to hear from him? Well, our guest is a certified supply chain and organizational change professional and a professor of project and supply chain management at Penn State University. He has over 20 years of experience working with organizations around the world on business performance improvement, organizational change, and enterprise-wide digital transformation initiatives. He is a five-time TEDx speaker where he discussed emerging technologies such as blockchain and artificial intelligence. Now, without further ado, listeners, let us welcome Dr. Justin Goldston. Hey, Justin, welcome to the show. <laughs> hi, hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being here. We're so glad to have you here with us today. And we're actually excited to have this talk because, you know, you have, you have a very interesting career involving supply chain and emerging technologies and sustainability, which is what our podcast is all about. And I'm sure, you know, we're going to touch on a lot of those points later on. We might even have to stop mm -hmm. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure you will. <laughs> but before that, Justin, please just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, so yeah, currently in the, I always say in the, in the web two, in the web two world, I'm a, I'm a professor of project and supply chain management at Penn state university. I'm also an advisory board member and visiting professor at Georgetown and USC university of Southern California, um, where my, my research is primarily based on supply chain management, sustainability and uh, artificial intelligence and blockchain. And I think the premise of this discussion is going to go into you know people say what is your what is your discipline you're all over the place i say i'm not all over the place because this is all systems thinking everything is integrated supply chain management is just a massive system right integrating all departments within an organization to orchestrate together right to create a seamless you know operation or organization right now, within that, you also have technology. You have ERP applications. I implemented ERP systems for like 15 years. But within ERP systems, you have these additional technologies such as blockchain, such as artificial intelligence, and you are using those tools to create a more sustainable world. So you can integrate all of those disciplines where in the on the surface they look to be separated mm -hmm. but they're all integrated and that's systems thinking beautiful yeah i never you know i never 
thought like you know a majority of our listeners probably like yeah how can these be interconnected like okay supply chain and blockchain they both have chain <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you I mean you know for regular non yeah. non-techy people that's like the, that's that's the thought yeah we, you hear these words but you know you never connect both of them but how what made you interested in in this field doc justin i would say that I mean, I've all, I've always been a tech geek, I would say, and um, you know, like I said, I was implementing I was implementing enterprise resource planning applications for a number of years. If you've heard if you've heard of SAP or seen the SAP advertisements, you know, I was actually down at the uh, SAP Sapphire. I was an influencer at the SAP Sapphire conference a couple of weeks ago down in Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, where we had I think seven or six or seven thousand people. You know, talking about talk, and actually, it's interesting in that you know the primary theme of the SAP Sapphire conference was sustainability. You know, so SAP is doing a lot of amazing work in integrating sustainability um, within within their applications for a number of different industries. So, you know, I've been in the tech space for a number of years, and then I was actually teaching in the Jack Welch Management Institute and in, in the executive MBA program. And one of the uh, one of the students there said, Dr. Goldstein, I've read this article where they say they're saying blockchain is going to disrupt the the supply chain industry. So, you know, I held some Bitcoin back then, you know, and that was the primary use case that I was working with in terms of blockchain. But then that sent me down a now a five year rabbit hole in terms of this technology, you know, and, and you know, doing that research led me into some postdoctoral work um, at Cornell. And then that also led to five TED Talks on blockchain, you know, so I always refer to myself as a, as a blockchain, as a blockchain, a blockchain OG. I don't say that I'm a crypto, I'm a crypto, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a crypto guy, I'm a, I'm in a technology. But, you know, I always say that I'm an OG because, you know, I was talking about, I was talking about Bitcoin during the bear market, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so. You know, it's it's all about the technology, and you know we've seen we uh, some of you may have heard about the Terra about the Terra Luna uh, collapse, and you know this is not financial advice, but you know you have to be a technologist to understand the technology because the, these cryptocurrencies nothing but speculation, most of them. They have usability behind them, mm-hmm. and once we have this 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 adoption that we're looking to 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 have then those cryptocurrencies will be more stable like the stock market well when the stock market is not that stable now but you get what i'm saying <laughs> yeah no. and i do have a little follow-up on what you just said right so you got blockchain you got ai and you got sustainability and you mm-hmm. apply it to to uh, supply chain management mm-hmm. what's unique about supply chain management that makes you truly focus on that specific problem as opposed to combining those three aspects to another problem. I'm quite intrigued. I would say, I would say, you know, from my experience in working with organizations as a management consultant, I always say I've seen the good, bad, and this and dysfunctional, right? And being in the supply chain industry, I always say that from a business perspective, I trust no one. Just putting it out there, right? Now, now, whenever you whenever you integrate blockchain, for example, blockchain. Let's let's back up and say what blockchain is. Blockchain is a distributed ledger that is transparent to everyone. 
So let's just say that you have a massive Excel spreadsheet that all these transactions are hitting this Excel spreadsheet and everyone in the world can see all of those transactions, right? So, so the transparency, and you can't change those transactions, they're immutable, they can't be changed. So, so the transparency and immutability of the blockchain is what makes it a, a great candidate for the supply chain industry to ensure the authenticity of your products, to ensure where your products are coming from, to ensure that that the that the actors within the supply chain network are acting ethically. So when it comes from a sustainability perspective in the United States, we just had we just had the SEC to to uh, to propose uh, climate change standards. Right. So now if those transactions are put on a blockchain, now we can ensure that all of those organizations are reporting correctly. Right. Um, from a societal perspective in terms of sustainability, we have a big problem in terms of forced labor, in terms of child labor, right? Mm -hmm. With the blockchain, if you are if you are transparent in the source of your raw materials and the source of your goods, then we can ensure that you are fighting or mitigating the risk of child labor and forced labor. If you look at artificial intelligence in blockchain, if you're forecasting products, we have a big problem within the supply chain right now. We can't get raw materials. We can't get products. We can't get chips, right? So if we have artificial intelligence and we use this tool that we refer to as demand sensing, we can actually pull data from social media platforms and we can get the buyer sentiment, if you will. We can get the thoughts and what the people are talking about on social media and then we can feed that information into an ERP system and we can get near real time forecast so we so that we can forecast more accurately. And from a sustainability perspective, if we get those near real time forecasts by leveraging artificial intelligence, now we're able to reduce waste in our blockchains. Now we don't have to order as many products because we're not speculating like we did in the past. We have the tools to reduce the speculation which in turn is going to reduce how much how much inventory we purchase. That's your question. Very, very exciting. Yeah, 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 it does. It does, it does. And I think the problem space is complex enough, especially given how supply chain applies to so many types of supply chains. Right? right. Are you are you limited to SAP? Are you working with other partners beyond SAP um, as part of this? Uh, so how, how does your research look like? So SAP SAP is just one is just one example. I just I just SAP is the largest ERP platform out there, so that's just why I use that one. A lot of people can relate to SAP. A lot of people see the advertisements, but you also have you also have Oracle. You have organizations such as Infor um, that are ERP providers. But you know ERP is just one aspect of it. So you also have organizations you know that are that are operating in the Web three in the Web three world in a decentralized Web three world. Um, and, and creating, uh, or so there's one project that I spoke with about a couple about a month and a half ago called altered state machine. So altered state machine, if you've heard of non-fungible tokens, NFTs, you know, you also have, you also have, uh, altered state machine. They're creating non-fungible intelligence. So what that means is, is that they have a, they have something called AI brains, 
where they have a brain in the form of an NFT and you train that brain on certain processes. And now you can have that brain and you can put it into, into an ape, for example, right? And that ape can now be a teacher in the metaverse. Now that ape can be a metaverse assistant. Now that ape can be a stock trader. It can be a crypto trader because you're training that brain on machine learning and artificial intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. So it's learning that information just like just like just like they do in the stock market. Artificial intelligence, and there's some, there's a, there's in a lot of cases and not a number of cases where artificial intelligence and machine learning is used in the stock market to make trades and operating right? as an independent entity. Uh, mm -hmm. But in the format of an NFT, that's interesting. Uh, never heard of that concept before. Very interesting. If I take take a step back now, right? So so you are going into blockchain, AI, um, and, and I guess you, a, a term that's commonly used is emerging tech. Mm -hmm. um, you also mentioned Web3, right? Mm -hmm. We used the term earlier, tech of the future. I think mm -hmm. what would be, be good for our listeners as well, especially the, the less technical, to kind of hear your thoughts on the definition, because I know it's controversial, but maybe your thoughts on what a good definition would be of, on one hand, emerging tech, and on the other hand, Web3. So I'll use, I, use the term, I use the term emerging tech because it's kind of like the, not really the buzzword, but something that, that everyone can relate to. You know, we say emerging tech, but artificial intelligence and blockchain is here. It's here, right? Now, when we say Web3, Web3 is the next version of the internet. Web3 is the decentralization of the internet. In my opinion, Web3 is this collision course, if you will, of the internet of things, of blockchain, of artificial intelligence, all converged together. Edge computing. Uh, I think that quantum computing is further out it's further out, right? But, you know, we're going to start talking about quantum computing in a couple of years. Now, when we talk about when we talk about everyone's going to be in AR and VR, I still think you're 5 years away from that. Yeah. Right? Now, I said last year, I said last year, I said last year we're about 5 10 years away from general artificial intelligence. I actually I actually backtrack a little bit. We're about 2 years away from that. It's moving that quickly. It's moving that quickly. You know, and I always say that I did some postdoc work on blockchain at, at Cornell, you know, three years ago. I would say 80 percent of the things that we talked about is obsolete. The space, there's things, there's things that, that come up, that come up every single day. And I tell people, I got a Ph.D. Now I'm just I'm just scratching the surface of this stuff. I can't keep up with it. It's, it's literally impossible for one individual to keep up with all the stuff that's going on right now which is extremely exciting, but you touched upon something um, which I find very interesting. You say general AI is available within two years. Now let's maybe take a step back and make sure we have a common understanding. What's your definition of that, of general AI? So where we're at, where we're at with artificial intelligence right, right now is artificial, and, and let, me, let, me back up, let me back up. Artificial intelligence and blockchain. The most important thing I want to say on here, artificial intelligence and blockchain, the internet of things, they are nothing but tools. Mm -hmm. They are not the silver bullet. They are not going to save the world. 
they are nothing but tools, right? Humans have to create these protocols and blockchain. Humans have to create these algorithms for artificial intelligence because humans create them. There's risk. There's ethical risk, right? There's biases. There's discrimination. There's tons of stories out there about that, right? And in terms of, so right now, artificial intelligence is a tool to assist us in our in our in our day-to-day activities in our in our uh, 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 managerial decision making when we go to dark, when we go to general artificial intelligence I always say I always say think three c3po in Star Wars think 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 I robot right and I say that I say that because a part of me is so if we do not regulate it if we do not keep a close eye on it all you have to do is upset one developer and we have a big problem, a big, big problem, right? Elon Musk is Elon Musk is not is not I'm, a, I'm an Elon freak. Just just putting it out there. Elon Musk is not is not a fan of the government. But even Elon Musk says the government has to regulate AI. Right. And I will say that. God forbid if there if there is an, another world war. I might be getting a little dark, but if there's another world war, it's going to be with artificial intelligence. Join us as we change the game of global outsourcing. A platform for businesses to connect and collaborate. A space specially designed for you. You can sign up as a vendor for free. Only here at Mangtas. Your curated marketplace for B2B outsourcing solutions. Join us now at www.mangtas.com. And and the definition of general AI, though, just just to make sure on the same page, is somebody to independently behave like humans and take it even further. Correct. Correct. Uh, and and your worry is that they are gonna control us, so we need to Correct. regulate how exactly we put that in place. If it does uh, not, and get you regulated. feel that that's two years, you feel that that's two years away. Do you have some specific insights on why you say that? I have specific insights in 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 the in in the fact of when I said when I said it was five years away, the developments that happened from the time I said that <laughs> to now has been accelerated tremendously beyond beyond my thoughts. Well, Justin, people have been working from home. They've had a lot of time in their hands, and they've been more productive. <laughs> That's probably yeah, COVID, COVID, accelerated, COVID accelerated this whole thing. COVID accelerated this whole thing. Plus, probably the AI tools are developing AI themselves, right? So that's also accumulating, right? Yeah. So uh, self-programming. Perfect, perfect example. So if 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 those if the viewers have heard of GitHub, so GitHub is the largest repository of of language, you know, programming languages and things like that. So there's a there's a tool out there called GitHub Copilot. So GitHub Copilot leverages our artificial intelligence and machine learning. You can write one line of code, GitHub Copilot will finish it. There you go. So, 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 so another going back, going back whenever I said general, general artificial intelligence was going to be five years away. I also said that, you know, AI is not going to take over, not going to take over jobs. They're only going to assist people. Whenever GitHub Copilot came out, uh-oh, developers, mm-hmm. uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. That's a little worry. Uh- 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, worry, yeah. That means we can focus on other things, hopefully. Um, that is true. So that, so that is that. So that all comes down to how leaders of organizations are going to leverage these tools. Are they going to? Are they going to increase? Are they? Are some organizations going to increase the 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 utilization and efficiency of their employees? Or are they going to replace their employees with uh, GitHub Copilot, for example, and then just have a few people look at the co review code? Just have like code reviewers. Yeah. That's that, Yeah, but you could argue the other side, right? So we are, for instance, a big fan of no code. Uh, our mm -hmm. entire platform is built on no code, which means not only can we, and I still feel it's, it's another abstraction layer uh, just increases efficiency, you still need to be an in software engineer to really understand how to do it better. But the efficiency level goes up. Now, mm -hmm. does that mean that we're going to get rid of people? Of course not. It's a, it's a matter of how do you then utilize talents differently, right? It's like saying, you know, when ATM machines came in, people were no longer manually handing money, right? But that means those people could do something much more productive then, right? So that's really up to us, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. to figure out how we then develop and make make sure we do the real value add that machines no longer can. It feels like this is something that has been happening for many, many decades already. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's, it, 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 it has been happening. And it also, it also, you also have to consider like the spaces we're in. You know, in certain spaces, in certain industries, these things aren't going aren't, aren't gonna to take on for a while. I'm not even going to put, I'm not going to put a year, a year time stamp on it. I'm not going to put a year stamp on it a while. Right. You know, you have manufacturing organizations that are still working on pen and paper, you know, so it just depends. It depends on the industry in terms of how quickly these types of tools are going to, are going to accelerate. But again, even in those other industries, the most important, regardless of regardless of the power of artificial intelligence, regardless of the of the transparency that blockchain provides, the most important asset to an organization is the people. Most okay. important assets to the organization is the people. So, so you know, you can have you can have all these amazing tools, right? But if you don't have people that believe in an organization that will review that code, if you don't have people to support the businesses, if you don't even even with, with in the Web3 space, we can say that everything runs on the code. Right. But you also need you also need community builders. For the mm -hmm. for the for the community of the organizations. Right. So if you don't have humans that are, are building that community that are happy with the organization. You fail. Ultimately, we always say the same, like companies are ultimately still the people, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of what you put in place. Now, I'd like to touch upon one topic. So I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Like the term emerging tech, I feel is, is a bit, it, one, it feels small. And two, it doesn't feel quite right because it's here, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when you talk about Web3, and I'd like to hear your opinion on that. So, so we got, um, you know, AI, you got physical type of stuff like IoT and wearables, VR, right? AR metaverses, blockchain to a certain extent, even big data behind it. All of that converging, right? Mm -hmm. You mentioned Web3. Can't agree more. But the internet is built on protocols. 
it's mm -hmm. built on a way. It's two-dimensional and the rules that we follow. We have nothing in place today that allows us, there's no standard on how all of this is going to converge. So my question is really Web3. It sounds like it's very far away, if that's your definition. It's, it's, very, it's, very, far, it's very far away. And the one thing I say is I'm super excited about participating it, participating right now, you know, with the metaverse and things like that. So as a matter of fact, if you Google the metaverse as a digital leviathan, that's the first academic academic case study that uh, myself, along with two other graduate researchers, wrote. So the thing I explained to them, and the thing I explained to the to the uh, to the found to the founder of the, of the of the project which we looked at, we're right we're right we're writing the book on Web three. We're defining we're defining the future of Web three. Everyone listening, everyone listening to this to this to this to this uh, uh, interview right now. If you're contributing to Web3, you're writing the future. You're writing the history book, right? Because once people understand the big problem right now and the thing we're trying to figure out is how do we successfully on-ramp the masses to Web3? Once people understand that you own the internet, that the internet is now decentralized, it's not going to be controlled by the metas, by the, by the Googles, by the Twitters, they're going to be on board. If they're if, if the people understand that they're going to have a voice, that they're going to be able to govern the internet, to govern these websites, to govern the the, the metaverses, they're going to be on board. So it, you know, when we talk about the metaverse, you know, if you go to websites and you and you you know browse clothing and things like that, you're gonna go into a metaverse and go into a building, and then you're gonna you're gonna see the you're gonna see this 3D this 3D NFT of this dress or these shoes or whatever, you know. That's why Nike bought Artifact a couple months ago, right? So they're gonna have 3D you're gonna have 3D shoes that you're gonna be able to try on with your with your avatar, right? And then you're gonna be able to purchase the physical shoes. A lot of these, a lot of these Web three uh, uh, NFT projects now are doing that, where they airdrop me an NFT. I could have kept it for the metaverse, but I burned it, which means I got rid of it, and I got the, I, then I got the physical, I got the physical hoodie. So there's a lot of creative things that are going on. So whether you're, if you're, if you're an artist, if you're a clothing designer, you have that, and now. You're able, you're able to, to build your community. You're able to contribute to your community. You're able to get community feedback. And going back to the sustainability perspective, I can create these NFTs and I can get an idea of, of the designs that people like. And instead of instead of producing all of these clothes for this for this uh, for this uh, uh, season, you know, like H and M, uh, uh, like Zara. That contributes to a ton of waste. You can yeah. do the research. Don't listen to me. You can do the research, right? You can get an idea of how people are 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 behaving to are are, are accepting those designs in the metaverse, and then you can do your production run, which is going to reduce waste in the supply chains, right? And then it's going to also be 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 a positive positive for from from an environmental perspective. And this is where sustainability. And, and I think we can touch upon the. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I guess we'll double probably the follow-up question and Jackie, I'll let you ask that one. I still have one follow-up and the one thing I can't wrap my head around is 
how are we all going to collaborate to create the convergence and have a set of rules in place together? Because one thing we don't do well as in the world is work together and really agree to standards and comply and comply and, and just out of goodness. Nobody, I've never seen it work. So how will that work in reality? That's the question I keep on thinking about. Like, I love everything about it. But the good thing, the, I mean, what the, I guess the challenge with the internet, there is some central oversight, but at least it's a protocol everyone adheres to. How will we go to like a common standard where all of this converges? How would you approach this, doctor? <laughs> that's the million. That's the that's the million dollar question. But there's a few things. There's a few things, and and the thing is, like with these decentralized autonomous organizations, these DAOs. You know, we we run we run a DAO, Sitec DAO, in the education space. And one thing we say is, this is a big this is a big social experiment. It's a big social experiment to see how humans are going to collaborate with each other to build the future. But we have we have what we refer to as governance tokens. And then we're seeing where we're seeing where some projects are having issues with these governance tokens and how they have created their tokenomics where people can do essentially hostile takeovers. Right now, you also have you also have projects where 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 we have quadratic funding and quadratic voting where you make things more fair. So now people with the money, the large organizations, they can't benefit just by throwing money around. Right. Quadratic mm -hmm. voting changes that. So so we're so the, that's the beauty with the Web3 space in that anyone can contribute. Anyone can test in this social experiment. But to answer your question. I think that we have we just have to test it out and see what happens. Now there's some there's some risk to that, there's some fear to that. But that's how the world that's how that's how the that's how the world was built. The world was built on 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 invention. This is an invention. There's a a ton of inventions going on right now. Let's see how it works out. Now again, people will disagree with me, but you know that's what we're that's what we're that's what we're doing and testing out in the web three space right now. And before we go in, in, into sustainability, so a quadratic voting, could you zoom into that, please? Sounds fascinating. So, so it depends. So quadratic, quadratic voting, it depends. There's, there's, there's a bunch, there's a bit, it's like a 30 minute conversation in itself. <laughs> there's, there's a few different flavors to, to quadratic voting where it depends on one. It can depend on how many people, how many people come into the vote. And then it also can depend upon how much how much voting power you would have to that particular vote. But then there's an algorithm. There's an algorithm built behind it. So if you just if you Google quadratic voting, um, look for look for look for a uh, a video that 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 Vitalik Buterin uh, that put up because he's a founder he's a founder of Ethereum, and he does a good explanation. He he does a better explanation of quadratic voting than I can. It that way <laughs> we will we will uh we'll in include the link into the, to the yeah. recording put it yeah. in on the on the show notes 
Well, yeah, that's all all very interesting and very new for us, <laughs> Justin. Well, for for me, anyway. But yeah, I wanted to touch up a bit on you know you have you've had several TED talks and one of them that particularly particularly you know interested me uh, among the others was how blockchain will positively change our everyday lives. And we're talking a lot about yeah. about you know emerging tech. But in a nutshell, how how is this possible, or how can this be made possible? The way the way in which we're going to do this is that we all have to do this together. So there's a there's a saying in the Web three mm-hmm. space called "Wag me." We're all going to make it, right? The only way we're all going to make it is together, right? So going back, going back to your point where you said, you know, history has proven that we don't we don't work well together. We have to find a way. And another thing is that I just I've had this conversation many times where, you know, I did my I did my Ph.D. work in leadership and organizational change. You know, I teach supply chain management. Those two disciplines are changing as we speak. COVID. The pandemic has changed the way we operate from a supply chain perspective. With COVID, with people working from home, with the with the great with the great resignation, it has changed leadership theories. Right? So because of this, we have to rethink how we live. We have to rethink how we collaborate. We have to rethink how we how we look at sustainability. I always ask people, I say, give me your definition of sustainability. You ask 10 people, you'll get 10 different answers. But that's what that's what we need to have, because that way people are going to focus on their initiatives. Like a lot of people, a lot of people, when they say sustainability, sustainability, they look at it from a from an environmental perspective. Me, I look at sustainability from a societal perspective. I need to focus on the society on the society. I need to focus on the people. They need to focus on the environment, right? That way, from a systems thinking perspective, we can make a change in the world. Now, in order to do that, it's my thought that we need to leverage technology to see how we're working toward making a sustainable change in the world. We need to leverage blockchain to ensure that people are acting as they say they're going to act, ethically and sustainably, right? So again, those are only going to be the tools, but Mm -hmm. I feel that those tools are very important to our progress. Because I always say that if we keep, if we, and you, there's, there's, there's numerous studies out there that if we keep, if we continue to act business as usual from a sustainability perspective, they're saying there's going to be an environmental collapse by 2040. Or earlier. Some say, some say 2035. So that's why the sustainability, the sustainability aspect is very, very, very important. And it's not just, it's just not, it's not just the environment. It's a societal aspect as well, because let's just say take the environment out of it. If you look at if you look at inflation right now, 
people people are going to get in the dire straits. It's going to be issues, or it's going to be it's going to be issues around the world. Gas is six dollars in some parts of the U.S. Here right? in Europe, it has, it has increased to a couple of cents in just I mean a couple of cents in just a couple of weeks, even, and that's that's big. That's yeah. big for us here. Increases a use case for e for electronic vehicles, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but Elon. cost me ten bucks. Cost me ten bucks to charge a Tesla. <laughs> but, but you know that's where that's where you know we have to we have to leverage we have to leverage these technologies. We have to continue to build upon the body of knowledge to move it to move this forward. You know, I have every with anything with anything. There's going to be risks, right? Mm-hmm. With anything, there's going to be concerns. But yes, like I said, there's concerns for me from a, from an artificial intelligence perspective. But if we leverage artificial intel, uh, if we leverage artificial intelligence for for the for the societal good, if we leverage artificial intelligence for the global good, we can indeed lead to a more sustainable world. And I think you made a good point there, right? Sometimes you just need to take steps in the direction, right? Learn mm-hmm. and adapt from there. Right, not overanalyze. Just go and learn. Just do it. And, and we, we <laughs> and we have seen this in, in some of your your work that you seem to be very a big fan of the agile approach and methodology. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you want to share a couple of things about this and how you apply this or how you recommend this to people, especially in this field. So I would say that one big so during the pandemic i was doing a lot of i was doing a lot of a lot of talks in term you know within supply chain management and and the and the and the word and the word of the of the pandemic from a supply chain perspective was resilience right how are we going to make it out of this pandemic from a supply chain perspective and also the underlying the underlying approach was agile right how could we how could we use just hypothetically how could we use a traditional waterfall approach from a supply chain management perspective, when everything was changing by the day, you had to be agile. You had to be able to pivot. I've always done that. I've always done. I was first introduced to agile whenever I was consulting with Intel because Intel uses the agile methodology a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's, of course, it's used a lot within the technology within the technology space. But you know. From a supply chain perspective and teaching and teaching project management, you know, I always say nothing ever goes as planned. So why would you so, you know, traditionally, why would you go with the waterfall approach? I always have. I mean, there's there's a lot of research coming out within higher education, you know, on this hybrid model. You know, where you're blending, where you're blending agile, agile and waterfall. And really, in the reality, if you peel, if you peel back the onion. U.S. government, they use agile. But if you peel back the onion, they use a hybrid approach. If you look at, not unless you're very, 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 very disciplined. If you claim you use an agile approach, you use parts of waterfall in your methodology. In my opinion, again, my thoughts. Give me an exa- Can you give an example of that? Can you give an example of, of what part of a waterfall you would use? Um, so, part of it? so you would have, so you would, you would, so something like the, like the U S government, the U S government, they say that they, they say they use, they use agile, but they still have a project plan, right? 
they are they have they have a project plan and then they'll actually have they'll actually have you know the uh the stand-up meetings every morning right i'm like that's not right. agile you know but but if you're just if you're going from waterfall to agile that phased approach i think is is the best approach instead of cutting off waterfall and then moving to agile cold turkey you know you gotta kind of you gotta kind of take out take take gotta kind of take take the pacifier away if you will yeah you know and it's also very much a philosophy right there's no such thing as the perfect agile either right it's Correct. more a mindset more than anything right ultimately you still need to commit to deadlines and and you need to have a roadmap and and I guess, you know, are you going to be self-managing people or are going to put a project manager there? I guess there's a philosophy change. And I guess, especially in a government, uh, it will take time for you to evolve, right? I've been part of organizations where it took years before it even got, I don't know, maybe 20% there. I agree with you, 100%. It also, but it also, it also, it depends, it also depends on the environment, the culture, and the people. Like Intel, flawless, no problem. They're they're tech people. They get it. They understand it, right? If I try to implement agile in a in a in a, in a manufacturing company with a hundred employees that you know are just now getting off of off a of pen and paper, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have some problems. So so you also have to assess if you're considering agile. You also have to assess assess your environment and your people and your culture of your organization. You know, if you're trying to implement agile in a in a union, mm. <laughs> and the leadership, right? It has yes. to start from the top, right, with the right backing. <laughs> yeah, and the one thing one thing I always say, you know, in the great in the words of the late great Jack Welch, you know, he always say he always says you have to go to each employee in the organization, and you have to you have to lay out, you know, where we're going, how we're going to get there. What's your what's your what's your impact in this project and how it's going to positively impact you? If you tell each employee how this initiative is going to positively impact them, that's how you're going to get adoption in an organization. And that's one that's one miss a lot of organizations, a lot of leaders miss. You know, they think they think they think they think that a, a lean, a, a agile, they think an agile uh, project is a project management, you know, initiative. They think you know AI and blockchain ERP is a technology initiative. You know, for the CIO, that's when those projects fail. The most successful projects that I've been a part of, the directors. And the vice president, I had I had a president, I had a president of an or, of a manufacturing organization. He said it on every single one of my every single one of my ERP sessions. He would do work, but then he would listen because I would say something, and he would flip he would flip through his he would flip through his uh, his notes and said, "Justin, you said three weeks ago this 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 and this." I said, "Oh, you are listening, aren't you?" <laughs> but the fan. people see that. The people see that they those people walk to talk. And 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 that and that success was demonstrated by that leadership. You know. Wow. And like for people, normal or regular people who are listening, uh, maybe listening in to this episode right now, Justin, and thinking about you know we've been talking about sustainability as well. The past couple of minutes. 
as an individual, if you want to affect change or join, join in this bandwagon of change and on the road to sustainability, what would be the best advice you can give to, to these people? So, I would, say, I would say the first step is to Google the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Now, stay with me here. Google UN Sustainable Development Goals. Look at those SDGs. You pick your top two SDGs, right? And then you share your top two SDGs with your peers or someone else and then ask them what their top two SDGs are, right? If you're a leader of an, of an organization, you pick your top two SDGs, you share that with, with your executives within your organization, and then you all come to a consensus of what you think the organization's top two SDGs are, and then you run a survey of your employees of your workforce to see what their, what the consensus is of the organization's top two SDGs, right? If your if the executives top two SDGs aren't aligned with the with the workforce's SDGs, then maybe you should reassess your mission and vision statements. Right. So then personally. Your personal mission and vision statement is going to come out of those UN SDGs. And then also going back, we're, we're about to land this plane going back to my initial discussion. If you look at the UN SDGs, you'll see that those UN SDGs are all integrated. And that's what? Systems thinking. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Fantastic. No. Now, uh, well, for businesses or organizations, uh, Justin, who are interested in connecting with you, where can uh, they best find you? How can they best get in touch with you? Best place to find me is going to be on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find go. You can also go to our website, sidtech.ai, S-Y-D-T-E-K.ai. Have a lot of have a lot of great uh, information there in terms of blockchain, and then you can also go to my personal website, justingolston.com. There's about I'd say about sixty or seventy uh, 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 presentations, conference presentations. My TED talks are up there, and there's a number of of uh, YouTube or a number of uh, podcast episodes there where I talk about sustainability, blockchain, artificial intelligence, and of course, systems thinking. <laughs> Second my drop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Again, thank you. Thank you, Justin. We've, I've, I've learned a lot, and I'm sure Walter as well. We've learned a lot today from uh, this uh, podcast. Thank you so much for, for being our guest on today's show. Thank you mm -hmm. to everyone for listening. And, um, well, again, we wish you all the success in in your career in your field of expertise or expertises and uh, hopefully hopefully we can all indeed work and collaborate towards a more sustainable future through emerging tech which we don't have a lot of choice if we do we're already leaning towards that or we're already on there so but still absolutely well, welcome to web3 everybody <laughs> Thanks again. Once again, this is uh, Jacqueline Demenk 
And stay tuned for the next episode of Mangtas Nation. Thank you for tuning in to Mangtas Nation. Mangtas, your curated marketplace for B2B outsourcing solutions. Follow our social media pages to know more about us. Sign up as a client or sign up as a vendor and be a part of this global B2B marketplace. Join us at www.mangtas.com.